to the Real Voice of the Game production. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm here with our hosts of the show, Wiley and Will. It's a day at the yard with Wiley and Will, Common Sense Pitching, Mark Wiley and Will George, former pitching instructors and current scout with the Colorado Rockies. We've got a special show for you today, episode 112 on Real Voice of the Game productions. Um, true legend in the pitching game, uh, Wiley and Will always bring it with their guests, and I'll let Mark introduce our guest in a minute. But before we do that, I want a message to our listeners. I want to thank our 11,000 subscribers now, guys. We're up to uh, in 46 countries. Uh, We're hitting grassroots baseball all the way up to Major League front offices. We appreciate the support of our fans and our audience. We keep this ad-free and sponsorship-free for you guys, so it's straight content all the way through for 45 minutes to an hour. Straight baseball, building better baseball IQs. We ask, though, if you want to support Wiley and Will, go to patreon.com donate specifically to their show and it'll help these guys continue to do a great job for us here on the network. Um, If you want to listen to the episode, this episode or any of the episodes, please download, listen, like, subscribe. You can find us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. Make sure you get us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter as well. We respond to all questions. Uh, We love our audience. You guys drive the show. And with that, uh, Mark and Will, welcome back to your show, the stars of the show. And um, glad to have you guys back this week. Great to be Great. back. Yeah. yeah, we're loving it. We're loving this, the, back on our weekly schedule. Yeah, we uh, our audience has responded. We've had a record number of subscribers this month, uh, so we're we hit the new year strong here. So, Mark, why don't you? We, we've got a legend in the pitching game here with us today. I've had I had a great conversation with him off the air yesterday. We were talking it up before the show. We could have done two podcasts and that alone. So, um, this is going to be a content filled episode here. So, introduce our guest for us. Yeah, our guest is Don Cooper, um, probably best known for being the White, White Sox pitching coach for 18 years. I've known Don ever since he was a player, and I managed in the minor leagues and coached in the minor leagues against him as a player. Um, <clears throat> to give you a little background on Donnie, he, uh, he grew up in Queens, New York, um, went to high school there, was drafted out of college at the uh, New York Institute of Te- Technology in uh, West, old Westbury, New York, uh, where he played basketball and baseball. He had a scholarship in basketball and baseball. Uh, he drafted in the 17th round by the New York Yankees in 1978. Um, from 1980 to 87, he was in the minor league system with the, uh, with the Yankees, all the way from A through AAA. Uh, impressive 65 and 47 minor league career in 87 to 85. He spent four years uh, with different clubs, Minnesota, Toronto, and, and the Yankees in the big leagues. Uh, in 1980 was probably a, a big break for him uh, to get away from the Yankees by getting rule five by the Minnesota twins and joining their big league club. Uh, 83, he was with the Toronto Blue Jays, both minor league and major league. And from 84 to 86, he was with the Yankees in the minor leagues and major leagues. Finished his career with the AAA club for the Baltimore Orioles in 1987. Um, He was 32 years with the Chicago White Sox as a minor league coach, coordinator, major league pitching coach, and even had a time as an interim manager from 1988 to 2020. Um, He... uh, he was the major league pitching coach for 18 seasons, as I said earlier. And in 2011, I think 13, he did a little interim when they let the manager go and he became the manager of the big league team of the White Sox. A lot of accomplishments, but some of the most noteworthy is 2005, the world champions. Um, there was a unique thing that happened, which we'll get into it in our discussion. They had uh, four straight complete games uh, after losing the first game and eight and a third innings by the starter 
uh, in the ALCS in 2005, which is unheard of. Um, the uh, 2000 uh, in 2000 they played in the, in the division series. 2008 they played in the division series. Um, he he was uh, they were in the division series in 2021 and 2020 wild card. So he has a lot of experience in the playoffs and World Series. He's a World Series champion. He's got. It's a, uh, this, is, this is something I was a pitching coach and I never got to see one in my 17 years. He had two of them, Mark Burley and Phil Umber, both threw perfect games. Uh, Umber, I mean, Burley also threw another no hitter and won gold gloves. And uh, uh, Lucas Giolito also threw a no hitter. So he had, he had four no hitters in time when he was a major league pitching coach, which is really impressive. Um, welcome to the show, Donnie. I'm really excited to dig in on some of your views. Well, thank you. Good morning to everybody. You got me blushing a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I was just for the first couple of minutes, I'm just getting hit with all of the stuff that I've done. You know, it's some, it's interesting, but thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, great. Well, we've got some good questions to get it off and running. Um, you know, one of them is because I get to ask this question a lot because I was in the big leagues for a long time. But people don't really know what major league coaches do. Um, they go, hey, yeah, I wonder why that guy was a major league coach. He seems like a, he's been around forever. Well, there's a reason why you're around forever. And I think you can attest to it. Uh, can you give us an idea of like a normal work day in a championship season looks, for, looks like for a coach that's going to keep his job for a long time? I, I'll tell you mine. I don't know anybody else's to tell you the truth, but you know, my, my day is like it. Oh, I always like getting to the park early. So let's just assume the game is a seven o'clock game every night. I'm at the ballpark no later than twelve thirty. You know, I'm having a bite to eat. I'm getting, I'm getting relaxed. I'm getting uh, it, it, the comfortableness of a major league clubhouse. I was lucky enough. I'm very comfortable there. Um, and then I go about my day. I might look at video that I'm looking at video from the night before. I'm watching every pitch again, you know, and I did this every day, you know, but I'll backtrack. I, I never used the word teacher. I was always coach, but in a lot of ways, I had a, a lesson plan. Like after every single game at night, I'd go home. I couldn't sleep. You know, I was wound up. I, I was thinking about everything that went on that day, everything that's going to go on tomorrow. You know, what am, who am I going to touch? Who am I going to talk to? You know, I knew whose sideline was it the next day. I, I knew whose day three it would be. You know, I, I, I knew it by the usage of our relievers what I might do before the game, you know, as far as preparation for them. I wanted to touch. It, it, as many kids as I could on a daily basis. But again, I'm at the ballpark getting ready for tonight. I'm looking at video. Um, I, I'm looking at the, and, and, and then I know who I'm going to talk to that day. I know who has a sideline. So, and then I would try to touch the other guys, more relievers, because I knew the starters, I would have them every day in one way, shape, or form. You know, I, I, it was a day one. Day one is the day after you pitch. So that's the heavy lifting day, the heavy working out day. Day two is the sideline. You know, sometimes it's day three. And sometimes we'd even, you know, eliminate it when, necess when we thought it was necessary. I, I viewed myself as the jockey to however many thoroughbreds I had on that staff. And I, it was my job to ride those guys, no one to go to the whip, no one to back off, no one let let them trot a little bit. The preparation after the video would go to, well, now we're going outside for our sidelines or our long toss or, 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 or touching fields, you know. Oh, here's a reliever that didn't throw in two days. We're going to do something with them light before the game. I like touch and feel. I like getting on your, in your office doing some work. You know, nowadays it's harder for guys because there's so many guys that are max effort. And – you know, I wanted to, a lot of practices sometimes to get close to max effort. You know, that's really practicing because you, you can't do – there's only certain guys that can practice at 30 40%, and that's quote-unquote touch and feel. 
you know, I had another kid, the, the kid you mentioned a minute ago, Lucas Giolito, that had, had he wasn't a touch and feel guy. He had to throw us, give it a certain amount of effort to get that game-like work in. Um, and, 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 of course, then everything on the field, let's say, is done. And now you're going to go in, and now I'm going to meet. Every day I meet with the starting catcher and the starting pitcher. You know, every first game of the series, I'm meeting with everybody, catchers separately than pitchers, because I'm talking differently to the pitchers as, than I am to the catchers. You know, I, I never used the word don't, don't, not to a pitcher. I did do. This is what we're going to do. You know, the, you know, the positives. This is where our focus is going to be. And then I would talk to the hitters, uh, I'm sorry, the catchers a little differently. All right, we're not messing with this guy in in a situation that comes up, you know. So it's getting the game plan ready. And and, and the things that I liked about my job, and, and listen, I, I've said this before, I've had the best seat in the house to watch the best players on the planet play what I consider the best game on the planet. Um, so I, 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 I was front row center to watch all of the top guys come through there. And certainly, you know, all of the people that came through me with that I met up with, you know, on our staffs. But it was I enjoyed all of the preparation. I specifically enjoyed sidelines, bullpens, talking. Uh, I had had a purpose, and I wanted them to be able to, like, when we're going out for a sideline, pregame, let's say a sideline game, not a pregame, a sideline. I knew what I wanted to practice with that guy, you know, and, but I would always ask him, what do you want to do today? And I, you know, I was hoping that he could give me the answer. And then if he could, well, great, let's go to work. And sometimes that would happen, but invariably there'd be, be some additions I would have. And I loved challenging guys on sidelines um, to see if they could get to another level. I, you know, listen, I always viewed the time I had with each individual guy as a window that, all right, I want him to be as good as he can be and take his God-given gifts and run with it as far as he can while we're together. Um, That's the way I looked at it as a player. You know, as a player, I wanted to be as good as I can be, take whatever I was given as far as I could. And if I worked as hard as I could, I could walk away at the end of it knowing that I gave it all. And that's kind of the approach I took with with the pitchers. Um, but it, it's the sidelines, the game. Th- that's the stuff I love the most. I didn't like a lot of stuff surrounding it. I wasn't in love with having to, you know, answer questions about, you know, because I don't know. The media was never uh, – I never liked dealing with them, to tell you the truth. I mean, I would try to be as accessible, ac- accessible as I could. but. They they were always looking for the head of the man that blew the game. You know, they they were seeing the game out of a different camera than I was looking at it. I, I was just looking for, for improvement in every area. You know, and I know where I get a guy. You know, where where he comes. When I first meet a guy, I know where he's at. Now the important thing is where are we going? You know, wh- what are we going to throw out there to this individual kid and how we maximize his God-given gifts and have him be as good as he can be while he's here and have the best year he's ever had. That was always in my mind, you know, wherever he was before, I wanted him to outdo that stuff. So that's where I got competitive with it. But I love the daily preparation. And, you know, I love the conversations, you know, whether it's be about pitching or not, this, this interaction on the bench, the interaction in the bullpens, the, the interactions in the clubhouse, that's the stuff that I love the best because I, I, I could sit down and talk with, with anybody about it. You know, I just enjoyed that. And then getting to know that person, getting to know what makes him tick, you know, and trying to, you know, do, tweak the right places to try to get all that done. I, you know, I, 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 at the end of the year, then I'd sit down and assess myself and what we set out to do and did we get where we wanted to go um that's how i viewed viewed guys um and it was a daily grind but i loved it don talk about in game a little bit because nowadays we're seeing catchers flip wristbands over they've got the the earpiece in 
seems like things are getting more prescribed upstairs than in the dugout. What was your dugout like and what was your in-game? Yeah, that's, a, that's a good question. We went over everything in detail, you know, uh, and we might get to this later about every single hitter. And then we plugged every single pitcher basically into that hitter. All right, how's this guy going to get him out? How's that guy going to get him out? Um, yeah. that, that was the thing that, that, that we really focused on. But we wanted to play our guy's strengths all the time. You know, if we're going to go down, it's going to be because we're, going, we're playing the guy's best too. And I, we're not looking to go to pitch three or four in big situations. But we covered everything. And anyway, then I'd sit on the bench and I watched every single movement of the catcher. And then my eyes are going from the catcher to the pitcher, catcher to the pitcher, the whole game. Because I, I saw everything that the guy did from his first movement to his last, the pitcher. But prior to that, I'm watching where's the catcher going? You know, you know where's he setting up? And then I could say, all right, we're, we're probably going fastball in here. We're going breaking ball, whatever. You know, I, I would have an idea because I knew what we spoke about. And then we would talk about things if necessary, if we vied from, the, you know, we vied from that plan. Um, I, you know, the more and more I did it, the more and more I realized how important a catcher was. But invariably, I would have many, many discussions with catchers. Like, what were you thinking there? What were we doing there? You know, um, so it, they, were, they were constant. The, the, the conversations during the game with the catcher, when necessary, Hey, what were you thinking there? Like I just mentioned, there was some with the pitchers for sure, you know, but they were more of rhythm, tempo, and anything I saw standing out that would be, was different. You know, was the guy doing anything different than normal? Um, you know, there was so much, but I really watched the pitcher and the catcher more than anything, um, followed the count knew what we were going to do to try to get ahead of the guy. Listen, the plan, you get information coming out your nose about every hitter. It's out there on what what are his hot spots, where does he have trouble, all of that. Is he a swinger? Is he a taker? You know, does he take breaking balls early in the count, or is he swinging at those? I had swing counts. You know, how often does a guy swing at the first pitch? You know, so, you know, there's, there's lots of free strikes is, are out there if you're paying attention. Like, like there was that. one guy, I remember, Mark Ellis, that took the first pitch 97% of the time. That means if I go out there on the mound and flip one in there, he's taking it. There's a dang good chance. Well, that's a free pitch if you have the ability to do that. Same thing with a curveball. There's a lot of guys will, will take a breaking ball. So it may not be your biggest pitch in your repertoire, but if you have one to spin it over, it's a free strike if you if you can do that. Um, there's so much that I was watching, but pitching in, the pitching end of it and the catching end was, and there's conversations all throughout the game about stuff like that. Um, but the, you know, the, the the times you have less conversation, I guess it's got to be because we're rolling, you know, getting them out. Listen, if guys get, I see a lot of pitchers coming out of games, and I say, why is he coming out? You know. It, I think if you take out a pitcher that's doing good, it's almost like you're rattling the cage of the baseball gods to come back and bite you in the ass. You know, I, I, I don't get it. You know, nowadays I see uh, openers, guys coming out after four. You know, Mark, one of the things I'm proudest about that you read, you know, in my bio was the complete games. I dare somebody to top that now, you know, because nowadays – I don't believe it will, um, you know, and it's that's actually a funny story behind that one. You know, you, the first game of the series we're playing the Angels, and Contreras goes eight and a third, and we bring in Cots, and I think he threw six pitches. Everybody else completed it after that. Um, but every, you know, after after we completed the third one, and I think we're up two to one, we're going into game three. We complete a game four. We complete another one. And after the game, they were talking about, hey, you just tied a Met record. One of the people mentioned to me, I, I said, ooh, that got my attention because I grew up a Met fan in New York. Seaver, Kuzman, Ryan, Gentry, all of those guys. And I said, really, what was it? And they told me it was the complete games. And I, I, and I, so we win one more game. We're going to the World Series. 
Now, I wanted that first and foremost. But on the way to the park going there, I thought to myself, you know, if we get a chance to complete this son of a gun, we're going to get that one too. Um, and sure enough, we got it. It's interesting that the manager wanted two of those guys out of the game. Over my dead, rotten, stinking carcass, he coming out of that game. <laughs> you know, no, he he wanted he wanted Freddie had sat like about fifteen minutes. We scored a few runs, and he wanted to get take him out. I, I, no, 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 he's fine. We'll have people behind him. Don't worry about. It. I, uh, we have a cover. We got a cover. And then in the last game, Con- Contreras had to sit a little bit. And he wanted he wanted him out. He, he I don't want. He sat too long. He he sat too long. I said we'll have somebody behind him. And as a matter of fact, I think Contreras retired the last like eighteen. You know why would you want to take him out? I don't like taking any pitcher out if he's doing good. I saw us win a world championship because we had horses that went out there, thoroughbreds that went to the post for every race, every five or six days. They went. To, they took the bulk of the game. Bulk of the game for me is six plus. If you look back, and I'm sure our team and our organization was one of the best at quality starts. What that means is you're in every game if you're getting a quality start. You got, you know, six and three. Listen, I prefer six and two, six innings and two earned runs. But if you're going seven, eight, or nine and three, you're doing a heck of a job. You know, but but that means your team's in the game. You know. If you look at the starters that completed all those games and the staff that we had, um, there weren't quote unquote number one guys. You know, there wasn't a Verlander or a shirt, you know, but we everybody that pissed that every every day was our number one guy going out there. And they had a competition going. You know, nobody wanted to be everybody wanted to be the lead dog. Nobody wanted to be the last one. And you know, you try to promote that a little bit as a coach because everybody wants to keep up with everybody and outdo everybody. There was so there was some some of that going on as well. well and I see. remember in those games, like Ozzy went to the mound. He says, I'm going to go out and talk to Freddie Garcia. And I said, go ahead. I mean, I know what Freddie was going to tell him. Freddie was going to tell him, get the hell out of here. I'm completing this game too. You know, because he saw everybody else completing. And sure enough, he did. Um, I, 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 no more prouder. I couldn't be prouder of that staff. They made me a world champion, you know, and it's all about the players. You know, if you, if you want to be a good coach, get good players. If you want a good manager, same thing. Uh, but I had a bunch of them and even the, you know, we were riding confidence and, and, and we, we, they finished, they sprinted across the finish line. They didn't fall across it because I think we rode those thoroughbreds and knew when to go to the whip. When to not let it, let's let them trot here a little bit. All right, we got to go to the whip again, you know, and we did the same thing with relievers, but I'm, we're specifically talking starters right now. Um, the, I saw us win a world championship. So nowadays when I see a guy coming out after four innings and he's doing, you know, he's giving up a run after four, he's coming out. I'm why, you know, you got to train these guys to go out there. I remember we had a kid by the name of Garland. That when I first got the job, this is in 2002, the word was you got to get him out after five. Um, I needed that proven to me. I didn't buy it, you know, because I knew he could do it if given the chance. And you're never going to know unless you're given that opportunity. Um, And then after that, once we gave him the opportunity, now he was the guy, a, a guy, meaning Every five days, you can you can pencil in. He's giving you six or more innings every time out. I break it down this way. A major league season is about 1,500 innings. I'd love my starters to take about 1,000 of those, you know. Um, but nowadays, it seems to be different, you know. Um, and, 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 and I do think I got out while the getting was good. Another thing I'm proud of. Our injuries from the time that I got the job, we kept guys healthy. And that's the number one goal because then you can go out there and do the things that the team, the organization envisioned that guy doing, you know. Um, And we were very good health-wise. And we, you know, listen, we had our injuries like other people did, but I guarantee you, if you look that up, we're one of the best 
that was in that 20-year frame. Um, no doubt. No doubt. And, you know, this is what people don't understand about pitching coaches, and you hit on that, that during the course of a game, you give advice to the manager that allows those pitchers to be their best. You Because you're totally involved with those guys. You know them inside and out. You know whether they have more in the tank. You know what's going to be good for them to be convicted in what they're doing. And often, you know, like you said, you had to fight your manager over leaving a guy in. I remember the story about Tom Kelly in that game where uh, Jack Morris threw 10 innings and won one. <laughs> and, and the story was this, that after nine innings, Tom turned to Dick Such, who was his pitching coach, and said, what do you think? Probably get somebody else in there. And he said, you can do it, but I'm not recommending that. And he said, okay, then we'll leave him in. Left him in, the rest was history. But this is – That's this when is, men were men, though. That, that when they have confidence in their pitchers. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, Coop, you've talked about so many things that we've talked about on these shows. And, you know, we come from an era uh, – you know, I'm not that great with numbers, but you mentioned if my starters are eating up a thousand innings, I'm in a pretty damn good place right now. And we're not doing that. We're not training guys to go deep into games. We're training guys not to be horses. We're training them to be little chihuahuas where they take them out after three and four innings. It's, it's so foreign. It's so foreign to me. I mean, you know? I, Coop, I've been at three games where guys had no hitters. And less than 75 pitches and were taken out after five innings. And I, all of us were starters. How many of us would have allowed the manager to even get the ball away from us if we had a no-hitter going? And it's, it, it, it's insanity. The game, is, you know, it's to win the game. That's you know, the bottom line, baby. That's the bottom line. Re- it's not to reinforce some kind of analytics or whatever it is. It's to win the game. And I'm with you. I coached for 17 years and I'll challenge anybody to see how many injuries I had on my pitching staff and how many times I had maybe six starters through the whole year, whereas other teams had 12, you know. And you know what? We did it in an era where there were 10 guys on a staff. Yes. It's it's increased every year, which is I always like the more the better, you know, but you're right. You know, no. it's, it's crazy. You get your best pitcher out there and you don't let him carry the biggest load or the most important load. It makes no sense to me. You know, you mentioned a little bit of this. I wanted to bridge to this. You know, you were a coach in the early 2000s, um, you know, when analytics wasn't a big deal. But I know if you're like me, there were certain areas of analytics that you used and tools and things you kept track of. That, that people don't even realize that we did back in those days. We were using our own sets of analytics of what we thought was important. I think, first of all, I think the normal fan thinks we're like a high school pitching coach that may or may not call pitches, you know, but it, it's not, it's so not, not that, you know what I mean? Um, you know, the, go, go back to your question again, Mark, because I, I find myself I was just saying about that you- New school analytics are, are such a big popular oh, tool. important to me. Uh, good question. I mean, for, first of all, if I was to list five things that the top pitchers do, you know, and, and I've seen guys that throw 75, I've seen guys that throw 105, you know, and, and the stuff varies. It can go from Jamie Moyer and Mark Burley to Nolan Ryan, you know, the, and everything in between there. But what the best guys that I've seen pitch against us or pitch for us, forget about velocity, forget about mechanics for delivery. For, you know, they, they, whatever they have, and usually if you're a starting pitcher, you have three to four. If you're a reliever, you might have two to three. You know, uh, How many strikes can you throw, whether they're called or, or swung at? They, in other words, they pour their sh- shit in there. They are attacking from the get-go. They are dictating the count. So what was important to me was, all right, who's the, who can be best at first pitch strikes? Who can get be the best at one-on-one strikes? You know, because that's going to dictate, are you ahead or behind? And pitching ahead is obviously optimal. You know, I wanted to know everything about the hitter. 
are they taking? Are they swinging? You know, all of that stuff. We talked about that before. Um, but they poured their stuff in. And, you know, even if – and they were aggressively throwing every pitch with conviction, belief, focus. You know, without focus and conviction, execution becomes iffy. And this is not a profession that you can be 50%. You know, heck, well, I can get a beer vendor to do that, you know. Um, we need to, but I, so I was interested in first pitch strikes, one-on-one strikes with each of their pitches, fastball, curveball, slider change. How many does he throw for a strike? Four seams, two seams. I break it down for stretch and full windup as well. All of the pitches. Um, you know, you can't, you can't call a pitch a pitch until you're throwing it 50% of the time, but 50% don't do it. You've got to get 65, you know, and up there, the higher, the better. So well, and whether they're swung at or they're call strikes. Um, so I woke up every single day as a pitching coach, trying to, in our workday, get more and more strikes. I wasn't looking for balls. I don't get me wrong. There were some days with some guys that you know, Hey, we're going to get you loose. We're going to get you side, you know, get you loose up, get you on the mound. And we're going to work on some ahead pitches. Oh, two put away pitches, you know, a put away fastball, a put away breaking ball, a put away change up. You know, I, and I wanted every pitch to be thrown from an offensive perspective, even if you want it to be a ball. You know, I, I've seen guys get ahead being aggressive, coming at them. And then all of a sudden, they're picking and missing, picking and missing. And so they, so they were a little defensive with that. No, even if you want to miss, I want you to throw that ball with the same approach because it's not like you can – Turn off, on and off, aggressive, non-aggressive. You know what I mean? Um, you you got to stay with that. You're the predator, and the glove is the prey, you know? Uh, and if you make your pitches, you listen. Uh, another thing is this. I've always the – hit the hit and walk column are the two big columns because unless something else has happened since I retired, those are the columns that make up runs. I'm looking to shut down runs. What makes up runs? Hits and walks. Well, I want to be damn good in both of those columns, as good as we can. So, you know, that that became a big focus of mine. Um, it, but it was it, it was the strikes that they were throwing and surrounding them with, with uh, you know, more and more strikes and their ability to throw. You, you know, it's funny because I it's making me think of a, a Chris Sale thing. I had Chris Sale and... Listen, the first five years he was with us, he was, if you looked at numbers, he was better than Koufax and Carlton and, you know, another, a lot of top lefties. Like, wow, you know, I, I didn't realize that. I saw it before a game one time. And, uh, you know, he was striking a lot of guys out. But then their approach, the hitter's approach changed. They started swinging early on him. And he still got guys out. He still was striking guys out. You know what I mean? They were trying not to strike out, and they still got him. That tells you how good that guy is. You know, uh, they were swinging early not to get two strikes because they knew if they got in the hole, oh, gee, here comes a nasty-ass 97-mile-an-hour fastball somewhere, or here comes the slider from hell. You know, as well, he had three above-average pitches. So if he got, you know, every pitch, every strike a guy throws, whether you throw a 75 or 105, the stuff guys are even more. But every strike you throw, you're getting more dangerous. You get the two strikes, the guys with the real good stuff, and have, they can be lethal. And well, they he like was a lethal throw. guy. He was good lethal. Pitchers, good pitchers like to finish people. And to me, you know, Dave made a comment about wearing wristbands and calling games. I think we're taken away from the investment the pitcher has in making a pitch and learning how to finish guys. You see a lot of guys now with two strikes, they don't know how to finish the guy. Well, what they're they doing, it seems like more. They're just going like a robot, like they're playing yes. a freaking video yes. game. Yes. They're, what are they doing? You're seeing them, oh, okay, let's ride a four-seamer up above with throw a curveball in the dirt. All the same. They're right? It's pretty much, that's pretty much it. And and there's some guys that, that are that, like Mark Burley, there were times we could ride some balls up on righties, up and in you know, up above. Um, there's some guys that that's not a main weapon. Let me, let me do, let me throw my 87, 88 mile an hour fastball up above. 
that, that might not be their best option. You know, it, it, they don't have enough juice to to do that. I, I, I don't. I like guys that can pitch. And listen, I love velocity as much as the next guy, but I like, I want this the challenge remains the same. Can I get this guy that's got the 97, 98 on the glove more and more? Strikes as well as location, man. I'm just not looking for strikes. I, I'll take that with some guys, but, but I, I'm looking for located pitches. You know, I'm looking for quality pitches. And what does that mean? Location, movement, and then stuff. Stuff always used to be the last thing that people talked about. You know, they wanted movement. They wanted location. Oh, yeah, and we want stuff. Now it's stuff and work around that, you know. Um, and, 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 again, that's the pitching part is the part that I think is going to get, you know, possibly be less because the people now that are being hired are college guys coming out of college that may or may not have played. You don't have to be a, a former player to be a good coach. I'm not saying that, you know, uh, but they don't know. You know, they, you know what I'm saying? They, they, they've never – you've got to be able to pitch and, and get to a lineup two and three times. I love it. Well, I don't love it. I'm saying that facetiously. All right, it's the third time around. Got to get this guy out. Second time around, got to get this guy out. No, I'm in favor of trying to get that guy. The challenge to me is, no, we've got to get him to go that second time around, that third time around. You know, I, I, I can't even talk about now in some of the meetings that we're having the last couple of years. Well, we're hoping for four out of this guy. I can't sit there on a coach as a coach and say, yeah, OK, I'm really looking for four. Hell no. You know, I, I'm looking for more than that. You know, I remember in one of those games doing an interview, in-game interview at, at, in, out in California with those complete games, and it, it, we needed, it was the last one. And, and I did an interview, and, and the, one of the questions, I don't, I don't even know who asked, asked it, but, hey, what are you looking for from the bullpen today? I said, not much. You know, I'm, not look, I, I'm looking for this starter to take care of this game. And I had guys that can, could do that. And I think now, like you hit on a second ago, they're not being trained. To do that, you know, I, I want the most out of these guys I can get. I'm not going to set a ceiling. They'll they'll show me. They'll they'll show me. It's, and it's like they, that's what I do during a game. The hitters usually show you if it's time to get a guy out. My, here's a general rule I had: if the other team is happy that they're taking this pitcher, our pitcher out, probably not the right move. Right, right. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Coop, one of the observations that I made, you know, over the last eight or nine years as analytics has gotten deeper is, um, and uh, quite other few points that you made, but one of the things, I don't think the kids are learning like we learned how to get people out. We watched hitters. We knew how we were going to pitch hitters. Someone else is doing all their thinking for them. Um, one of the other things you mentioned, uh, what to do, not what to not do. Uh, making, I don't like talking negative at exactly, all. Exactly. Making well, your guys more confident, more aggressive, being attackers, not passive. Um, you know, the game is turning so passive where the pitchers work too slow. You know, the catchers don't have a feel because somebody else has put together a game plan that's not even on the team playing. They're analytic people. So it's, no it's, it's, it's you know, the other it's, thing is, is that that stuff, the value of stuff has gone up so high, it's taken totally away from change speeds. Right. They don't have a concept of change in speeds. That's a true point. And it, as you said that, it made me think it, 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 it's going to take away opportunity from a lot of kids right. that come out of high school and or college, you know, that are looking to play pro ball because. Now, if you can't, if you know, if you if you don't have the velocity, you may not get that chance. A guy like Burley, a guy like Moyer, you know all the names that fit this category. Uh, he may not get opportunities to do that. Maddox. Maddox. Yeah. yeah. And there's many more names. Yeah. There's many more names. So uh, I'm for giving people opportunities, you know, to uh, play pro ball and show what you can do. Uh, but you're right. And, and, and Will, you had mentioned earlier, how many, how many organizations – if we're talking about limitations at the big league level, 
you know, hey, we're taking this guy out after four. He's at 65, whatever, you know, whatever you're using. You know that they're doing it at the minor league level. Oh, it's, it, it, it's even worse now. There, there's not five complete games in whole leagues now. What you say, the industry, the whole industry has switched from where we knew it to be. Right. Right? That's what we're saying. You know, you know, we all, I took pride in six years of being a pitching coach in leading the league and having over 30 complete games for my pitchers um, because those were my prospects. That meant they were having a great year. And they were finishing what they started. And I never had a kid throw over 130 pitches in a game ever. Yeah, well, somebody had got into people's ear and thought it was going to limit injuries. And, and well, how did that go? Well, I've always exactly. had strong opinions of that right there, Mark. My, listen, injuries aren't an act of God. He doesn't wake up in the morning and say, Joe Jones, you're blowing out your elbow or shoulder. I, I don't believe I, I, that's a strong belief. Joe Jones is doing something that's putting strain on his elbow and his shoulder. As a pitching coach, you've got to figure out what that is. Um, again, if you've got a bad delivery and or bad arm action, it's going to be hard to stay healthy. And if you're not healthy, well, then you can't go out there and, and fight to climb the ladder as a high school, college, minor league guy to get to the big leagues. You're going to get knocked down too much with injuries. Um, so that was the first and foremost thing for me. You know, there was one question that you had on there that resonated with me. Um, Mark, you asked about who my mentors were. Um, and then I think about this often, and I'm grateful for all my mentors. Um, Sammy Ellis was one. He was the best guy I'd been around with the pitching mechanics. I know you know Sammy. Yeah. Best. But he was, when I got into pro ball, he was right up my alley because this, this is the stuff I wanted to know. I wanted to learn. I wanted to, I, I wanted to get my body. How I learned growing up, there were no coaches uh, that there was no high school coach that gave me something really big. There was no college coach that gave me something really big. I mimicked guys. Right. I was a good athlete that could get my body because I was an athletic guy in positions. And I watched guys and I would try to mimic that. I would be going down to the schoolyard, maybe. And I'm going through Tom Seaver's delivery. I'm going through Marichelle's delivery. Without realizing it, I got into better mimicking and then I would also look at any pictures that I had to get my body in that position. How are they holding the ball? I'm going to try to hold the ball that way, you know. And, and it was that stuff that that how I I learned uh, how to do and mimic. Um, and, and I'm not sure now. Again, the term selling out for velocity. That's another thing you hit on that is hurting the, the pitching, the changing of the speeds. And everybody just wants swings and misses. I like them too, you know. But that's why guys, they match out from pitch one. That's why a lot of them must have to come out after three, four, or five innings, you know. Right. Um, and, and it's completely foreign to me. I, 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 I wouldn't want to work under those restrictions at the big leagues anymore. I didn't have any restrictions when I was coaching, to be honest with you. Nobody told me what to do, what not to do. It was my it was my baby, you know, from the minute I got the job till the end. Would we talk about stuff? Certainly, you know. But I was got the type that nobody knew better than me what's going on with each of my guys. You know? When you're when you're a pitching coach or a manager. I love that part of it. I love trying job, to help the manager out your that way. based on your decisions. If other people are making the decisions for you, then they should be the coach. That's my theory. There were some seasons I had almost full control of who was getting up in the bullpen, who was coming in the game. I can remember one conversation, and Ozzy was the manager, and I, you know, I always worded it this way. Hey, uh, I'm going to get a lefty going in the bullpen in case you want him for this guy coming up three hitters from now, you know. And then he he, he – He'd look at it and he'd go, well, well, this guy hits lefties. I go, not our lefty. Oh, he's 0 for 17 against our lefty. Okay, let's get him going. You know what I mean? Right. He, he didn't know kind of what I knew, 
and they, and he'd get him. Okay, let's get him up. Let's get him in. Yeah, let's get him ready. You know, that. But that was a different thing. You know, he he did hit lefties pretty good, but not our guy. You know, and I had all of that information in front of me. Career matchups. Listen, you're not short on information as a pitching coach, but you got to sift through it. And I like tools. I, there's some of the tools, the new tools I like. I, I like the Edgetronic camera. I was big on video. Yeah. I love video. And I love being able to slow it down and get everything, every movement. Um, I, the Rap Soto thing, we had it out in the bullpen every day. I didn't dislike it, but I, I, I remember saying, I put the Rap Soto up, but I'm going to tell you what the pitches that Rap Soto is going to like. You know, you know. Coop, Coop, we had Jerry Depoto on, and I challenged him. He's a big analytics and very modern, progressive. But he's I said, trying, hey, he's drank the Kool Aid. But but I said, hey Jerry, do you? Uh, I don't need a Rap Soto to know when somebody made a good pitch. Do you? He goes, no, I don't need one. I know when a guy stays behind the ball and it. Has great finish through the fucking strike zone. Excuse my language through the strike zone. I mean, you know, it, it, it's amazing that guys. You know, I want my pitchers to feel that, not to turn around and look at the iPad to know whether they felt it or they made it right or whatever. That, that's what they're losing. I've seen I've seen sidelines where let's say, and I'm, I was talking about this the other day. I think to Mark, a right-handed pitcher throwing to the catcher down there, and we're trying to make a down and away. Right, a fastball down and away. Right. That he missed up and in, and then the rap, rap Soto guy will say, "Oh, that one registered really good. That was a good pitch." Yeah. The hell it was. No, exactly. The hell it was. Exactly. You missed exactly. by four feet, and you missed to the wrong side of the plate on top of it. Well, that's that's the same kind of thing as when I had young pitching coaches, and I'm a director of pitching. I tried to teach them. I said, you only reinforce and say it's a good one when it really is a good one. Because some young pitching coach will be working with a guy's curveball and he'll loop one in and it'll go end up in the middle of the plate. It's not a good one. It's not tight. It's, you know, it comes, it pops out of the hand. Right. And they're going to say, yeah, that's a good one. And I go, no, that isn't a good one. That's not the one we're teaching. We don't want him to think that's a good one. Well, I get a kick out of, when I hear the the term pitch shaping, we're working on pitch shaping. Yeah. You mean yeah. on developing a, a breaking ball that has depth, whether it be a curve or slider? You know, I mean, I, I, in new terms. And you know what? Here's two, what I think. Nowadays, everybody, all of the big league GMs and stuff like that, they're very smart guys. But it's gone in a science science way, and everybody doesn't want to, everybody doesn't want to get lost behind in that. So they they go more and more and more with it, you know? Um, you know, and there's some people that say, well, it's going to come back around. I don't believe it's coming back around in my lifetime. No, I don't think. You know, I, I don't believe it is because it, it, it's, it's, I don't see how it can stop, to tell you the truth. I think they're going to go more and more science. This is Mike Marshall stuff, kinesiology. You know, and listen, I don't remember Mike Marshall developing a pitcher. You know, but now they're taking all of that stuff and they've they've taken it and ran with it. You know, um, listen, here's a, here's another thing we were talking about. Two seam fastballs. They're not quite as popular anymore. You know, cut fastballs, not quite as popular anymore to these numbers, guys, because it doesn't have depth, a cutter. I think they're very big pitches, very valuable pitches. But what specifically what I was talking about the other day was I see Garrett Cole, top-notch guy, top-flight guy, either league. Stuff above, well, well above average pitches. And when he first came up, I think he was a majority two-seam guy. Yeah. And he threw that two-seamer probably around 97, 98. And still working on command and, and, and all of that stuff and strikes with it, I'm sure. But now he throws like zero. Now, and he's four seam and everything. And he's taken off and he's made a lot of money doing this. But to me, if you have a two seam fastball and he had a good one and, and you have a four seam, well, that's two different weapons because they both have different actions. 
and they can both be used. Like I would be talking to Cole about, all right, listen, man, you, you, you put this pitch well, well, well on the back burner. I'd like to bring it out a little bit more, and I'd like to have a conversation about it. Why wouldn't we? Meaning, like, why wouldn't you run that ball in on a right-hander's dick, you know, and, and to get a ground ball, and to save yourself a handful of pitches, you know? Um, and you got two, if you've got two different weapons, that's valuable. He's limited to one. Is, this, I'm riding with this. Same thing with uh, Lucas Giolito, and I think he didn't have the two-seamer that Cole had, but it still had run. So there's still a spot with it. You know, I, I don't, I don't take pitches away from guys at all. I might put them on the back burner. I might accentuate a couple more things and, you know, but I don't take away like, because I'll tell you why I've seen below average curveballs, not, not, not what I would consider close to a put away curveball. Like Burley had had one, you know, he could drop it over, throw that curveball in clockwork with good numbers, 65 percent, 70 percent. Many people take that first pitch. If we know those guys, we can do that with them, you know. And but it's not a pitch that you want to leave in the zone late. You want that to be in the dirt, especially as he got older and lost stuff. You know, I. I just the stuff that we're talking about. I love this conversation because I don't have a chance to have this, and I'm not even sure how much I'd have it if I was if we in organizations now. Um, I know from your your bio and the research, you were like myself. I was a two sport college athlete, basketball and baseball um, in New York as well. How important was that to your development and in this era of specialization? What's your message to kids out there about uh, you know play all the sports? You know, listen, I want the best athlete. I want guys that are in the top shape, best athletes, can do a lot of different things. You know, I, I used to play a game when we first got them. You know, when I was the minor league pitching coordinator, we had the mini camp after the draft. And I used to love it because we're getting to see all our new gifts. And I used to play the game. The game was I'd watch him play catch. I'd watch him run. I'd watch him move around. Who are the athletes? Who moves around athletically? Who, who looks like? And I was a good athlete. And I, and I think good athletes pick things up quicker. Uh, and then I'd want to watch the sideline and I'd play the game stuff wise. Does he have major league stuff coming out of his hand? It may not be a lot, a lot of strikes yet. It, you know, it might be some thing, but okay, this, yes, he will have enough enough stuff behind the fastball, curveball, slider and change. You know, nowadays that's probably changed, but I used to like to play that and see how it worked out for that individual guy, you know, as, as time went. Um, that was fun to see the new people coming into the organization and, 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 and how they're, what kind of paths they had, um, how, what was their road to the big leagues? You know, listen, the stuff I, I like to look at, there, there's certain things that pitchers have done for the last hundred years mechanically. I love the pitching mechanics, loved it very. And I consider myself very good at it. There were things I didn't need video for i could see it but then there were some things you know i need to look at video with this guy i need to see slow it down a little bit you know and watch it but i love the video because the, the first thing for all major league players whether you're a hitter pitcher for infield or whatever the reason why they're big leaguers is because they get their bodies in the correct position more often than the others Amen. to be able to hit it catch it throw it pitch it you know, so if your body's not in the correct position, you, you can all hold hands and pray. It ain't going to happen on a consistent enough basis, you know, no matter what you're talking about. That's why big leaguers are big leaguers. You know, I used to also realize that when I was sitting there in the best seat in the house, everybody on this field is gifted. Everybody in the dugouts, they have gifts, you know, uh, and, 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 and they wouldn't be here unless they were good. You know, there's, they're not handing out free tickets. To come to the big leagues, you know, and they were the best players in the area that they grew up. Everybody was one of the, you know, it's, it's a rarity. You know, you don't see many guys. Well, I took it up when I was 17 and I just got real good at this. And I just started when I was seven. No, man, you, you, it's a lifelong process for most, most all of the guys. But 
interesting, interesting conversation, fellas. Well, we've had Don. We've had John for close to an hour. Uh, Mark, Mark, and Will, do you have any final questions for Don? I think Mark did. No, I just, uh, you know, we always talk, you and I had a discussion about the analytics and stuff and and how it's taken over. You know, I always laugh at the vocabulary that, you know, I, I don't know who these guys came up in, with pitch shaping and, and different terms to make it seem more important. Yes. You know? Right. It, yes. It's, it's, you know, you know. When you I don't have a good line of shit. Yeah. When you're getting the guy to tighten down. A breakable. If you and I are talking to a general manager from Harvard, he doesn't connect with us because he doesn't understand what tightening down a breaking ball means. But he understands pitch shaping, yeah, because that's probably an analytical term. Symbolism you know? over substance. Uh, yes, Rush, Rush Limbaugh's first book. Talk to talk to talk, but you know, let's you know, let's just teach you how to have a good, make a good pitch, <laughs> make a good. Uh, throw a good curveball with some late a lot of stuff will you just made me think of the ability to focus commit for about two and a half three hours right as a starter you know what i mean right because without that focus and commitment execution doesn't happen and one of the, one of the biggest words Right. In my reports right now, this guy lacks focus on guys that I don't like because they 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 have no focus. They don't have no feel for their body for their for for making an adjustment. For that's bad because baseball is a game of focus and refocus. Right, and and you know that's being cool. able to sequence pitches, it's just it's it's it, it's maddening, and nobody's teaching it because somebody's sitting with an iPad looking at the results instead of building the foundation that gives you all the results that you're looking for. You know what? Another thing that kind of worries me, I remember when I was the youngest coach and then she's, I blinked my eye and then I'm the oldest coach and I'm out. But um, the, the older coaches that were there when I was the youngest, they were talking about the game is changing and the kids are changing and I wasn't buying into it. And I, but down the end, I started to think about what was going on, and I, I, I could relate to what they were saying then. I think nowadays the kids coming in, the reason why the vocabulary is changing because of where all the high school, little league, and college guys, and you know, they're going to the these the drive line places and things like that. Um, you know, and that's where I think the vocabulary is, is, has changed. Um, and that's where it puts, it puts, I think, valuable people that can help others and serve pitching pitchers are put out to pasture. Yeah. See, you see, you and me as examples. You know, no. they, they're they're everybody's selling something. I thought I used to think that experience was valuable. Right. You know, um, it Wisdom. went from I was a very important guy in the system to where now you're, you're, you're passe. This right. is outdated. And you know what? Pitching hasn't changed for a hundred years. No. How you're dealing with the pitchers have changed, yeah. but the things that have made people successful a hundred years ago are still the same things that are going to make them successful now. They, still they, have limited, they limited expectations in today's game. Lower, yeah, lower Players the do not have the expectations of throwing a complete game. That's a good way to put it because I my expectations never changed. But that's a good way to put it. The expectations of others and those others are running the show have changed. They're going down a different path to where I want nothing but swings and misses. If I can get that for three, but I'm worried about the fourth, that's it. Then I'll get somebody else to come in for one or two. And that, that's another thing where – I see guys are just one-inning relievers. What about the guys that go two and three and take a couple light things off and go do that again? They they were valuable guys, you right. know, you know. Now, but now they're paying everybody. They used to only pay closers, but now they're not only playing closers; they're playing the seventh inning guy, the eighth inning guy, the sixth inning guy. You know, big money. Um, everybody gets to pitch in the minor leagues. That's one of the biggest differences than when we played. The best guys got to pitch. 
you had to earn to pitch. Now everybody's on a schedule. Everybody gets to throw two or three times a week, one inning in the pen. You know, so it doesn't matter well. whether the organization considers them a freaking prospect or not. You know what? You, you made me think of this as you said that, Mark. I wanted everybody, when I was a coordinator, everybody's getting treated like the number one pick. That's right. I don't care who you are. You could be the 90th round. Well, none of us are smart enough to know if you if you can or can't. You're going to get that chance to show what you can do. You may only get one or two, but 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 you're going to get that shot. I'm not going to send you home. I I, I hated bringing in a kid into the room. Hey, listen, you know what? We've run out of space. Uh, you know, you, you know. I I had to know that we gave that kid the opportunity to show what he can do. I wasn't just thinking about the the top guys. Now certainly they're in your they're they're right in the picture, the top draft picks and things like that. But I was a seventeenth rounder. Um, I have sympathy, and I want everybody to get the shot to show what you can do. And then you, if if you get the shot and fail, well then maybe you can go home and live it, live with it. You know you did everything you could, whatever. Um, but I I want everybody getting a shot and treated like a number one prospect. Um, you know, once they put your uniform on, they should all be treated the same and they should be coached the same and given opportunities and let the cream rise to the top. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but nowadays, because in the draft and stuff, now that the, the, the rounds are less, all those, those guys that all of the guys that got from the 25th on that got to the big leagues, I don't know how often that's going to happen. Right. I'm not in love with that. No. No, they've I, cut it down to 20, and it's even going to go less, I think, eventually. Yeah, that, that, that hurts a lot of people's opportunities from continuing to play what we all know is a great game and play it as long as you can. And you, got, you guys certainly brought it today with, with our audience. Uh, Mark and Will, we've kept, we've kept Don on for over an hour now. Um, Don, we appreciate your time here. Any, any last questions before we, we sign off here? I'm good. It was really good, Donnie. Thanks so much. I enjoyed the heck out of it, and and I hear what you're saying, Dave. You know what that means? What's that? We have to do another one. Oh, we we can't do it. I'm going to fool around here. I'm going to, with the knowledge that we have on this show, we can't deprive the people of. No, not at all. We're going to have. have, We have. We have more knowledge to give. That's right. Hold you to that, Don. I I, I have one coach. I got to tell you this before I go. I'll let you go. I'm done. I heard one manager in the minor leagues say one time, and it made me laugh. He was he, he was just a minor league manager. He didn't play pro ball, but he told somebody, and I think it was the trainer. He said, "Shut up while I give you knowledge." Yeah. <laughs> That's well, gonna I don't be- want to give you knowledge. Um, oh, I love the conversation. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. Oh, you drove That's the conversation. I'm going to use that That's as my new job. intro. That's going to be Do the. You want me to stay on now, or wait a little bit? You oh, mentioned yeah, something about yeah. Let me sign off to our audience here, and then we'll, we'll uh, play the, the Jack McDowell music. He was gracious enough to give us his. I'm still, I still, I'm still in contact with Jack. I yeah. never had him on my staff, but I know Jack. Well, the song, the song we're closing with. He was on the show last week, and he's going to. Uh, he graced us with his new song, which is his views on analytics. So you'll get a kick out of it. But to our audience of eleven thousand subscribers, we appreciate you. Continue to support. Day at the Yard, Common Sense Pitching with Wiley and Will. Mark Wiley, Will George, phenomenal job again. Uh, Don, Cooper, Coop, you were phenomenal. I mean, just drove the show. We appreciate the knowledge. We are going to bring you back multiple times because I, I think not only do you have, you got a ton more to give our audience. We try to build better baseball IQs, 46 countries, grassroots, all the way to front offices. Nashville, I'm sending you this uh, this podcast. Please listen to it. Don Cooper would make a great pitching advisor for you down there with that new franchise potentially coming up. But, guys, thanks again for a great show. This is Dave D'Agostino, Real Voices of the Game Production, signing off. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or Stitcher. Make sure you you listen, like, and subscribe, and download for us. Thanks again. And here's Blackjack McDowell with his view on analytics. Don't want us to ever come back.
Thank you. 